We're with uh, South African uh, BRICS Shaper, Professor Anil Sukla. Thank you so much for joining us here on Ubuntu Radio. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be on Ubuntu Radio. Yeah. Let's talk about the outcome now, your impression of the summit as a whole. Well, look, this was a highly successful summit, even if we have to say so as South Africa itself. But you would have seen the headlines in all of the press this morning and even yesterday, global press. They all are raving about just how successful the summit was. You'll recall that uh, when we took the chairship this year, we had a vision of what we wanted for the 15 BRICS summit. We had set ourselves key priorities, uh, deliverables, and a very inclusive theme, uh, BRICS and Africa, Partnership for Mutually Accelerated Growth, Sustainable Development, and Inclusive Multilateralism. Now, if we have to walk backwards from the summit to where we were at the beginning of our chairship, you can safely say that all of the elements contained in our theme BRICS and Africa partnership. You saw Africa, all of the African countries converging in, at Santon, and yesterday's BRICS uh, outreach and BRICS Plus summit was one of the largest gatherings of African and Global South leaders in recent history. And that's highly significant. So on that front, we had a very successful uh, outcome and it delivered on our president's vision of having this partnership with Africa and the Global South. And then if you look at uh, mutually accelerated growth, the two business forums that we had, the Women's Business Alliance in Durban on the 20th and 21st and the BRICS Business Council on the 22nd, they were an overwhelming success, not just in terms of the numbers. Of course, we had uh, both these meetings were oversubscribed. They couldn't take on more delegates, and there were demands for more and more to attend. And we had the private sector, not just from BRICS countries, African countries, many Global South countries attending. And uh, I spoke to the chairperson of the Women's Business Alliance, Lebogang Zulu, after the meeting, and she told me that that meeting generated 40 bil 48 billion rands of trade deals. Uh, and she says that will translate into about 120,000 jobs. Now, likewise, the BRICS Business Council uh, Business Forum was a highly successful event. Uh, attended by the leaders, our president addressed the forum, so that uh, President Putin virtually, uh, Prime Minister Modi was there, and President Lula was there, and uh, we had the Chinese minister attending on behalf of President Xi. And all of them spoke about the significance of the meeting and just how important it is to further consolidate our economic trade cooperation, and you saw also the high level of interaction between our business community with the major outcomes in deals that were signed. So on the economic front, uh, it was beyond our expectations, and it was the first time that the Women's Business Alliance met since it was formed uh, in 2020. So, and the success 
of that forum and now firmly established as a permanent entity of BRICS mm. is also a tribute to, to South Africa's leadership. And I must uh, compliment both the chairs of the WBA and the BBC for the excellent uh, leadership they provided and for the extraordinary success of both these meetings. Now, if you look at sustainable development, this was a focus throughout our chairship and the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres was here and he also underlined the need for us to step up uh, cooperation in achieving our SDGs and this this was uh, an, uh, a topic that was cross-cutting, that was touched upon uh, in all of the ministerials we've had and also during the summit, uh, not only the BRICS summit but the uh, Friends of BRICS uh, meeting most of the leaders spoke on the SDGs and the need for us to make sure we achieve our targets. And finally, inclusive multilateralism. I think, uh, again, Antonio Guterres uh, outlined the need for us to reform our global governance institutions, that they are outdated, they reflect the reality of 1945, not of 2023. And he stated they are outdated, they are irrelevant and they no longer speak to the reality of the current world order and the need for reform. We had, uh, of course, if you look at the Johannesburg II Declaration, it speaks of reform of the global governance architecture in great detail. And I think what we also saw is a very strong language supporting the reform of the Security Council and the aspirations of India South Africa and Brazil to play a greater role in international affairs, especially the United Nations, including its Security Council. Now, this is the first time that BRICS has pronounced so strongly in support of <clears throat> the three countries that are aspiring to become full uh, members in a reform uh, Security Council. Now, I think, I think on all fronts, we have met our targets and I think, in a sense, it went beyond our expectations. On the other key issues that uh, I think we should also celebrate South Africa's leadership, we also hosted the Youth Summit last month, and the Youth took a decision to create the uh, BRICS Youth Council. And that was also endorsed by the leaders contained in the Johannesburg Dec II Declaration. And I think this is a major, major achievement where we are now formalizing the youth track as an integral part of BRICS cooperation. And again, this is achievement for South Africa. It was done under uh, the, our leadership of our youth. And we are very pleased now that the Youth uh, Council will be formed and we have a dedicated space for youth to discuss issues uh, pertaining to their interest and also to meaningfully contribute to BRICS cooperation in all levels of our cooperation. The other important development, of course, South Africa put forward the meeting of uh, ministers responsible for women issues, and this is also pioneering. We don't have such a structure, and that meeting is still to be held. It will be held later this year, but I think that's also another very important pioneering uh, initiative. We are also very pleased that the president of the New Development Bank, uh, President Dilma Rousseff, could also address the summit and appraise us of developments uh, within the bank. And the bank is in a very healthy space. It's the first multilateral development bank of uh, 
that we launched by countries of the global south and it is firmly established on the global landscape as a very sound financial institution supporting infrastructure development and sustainable development projects uh, within the BRICS countries, South Africa included. And you would have seen also just two weeks ago uh, the NDB floated on our financial markets the first RAND-denominated bonds, uh, which was oversubscribed and they raised the ceiling from 1 billion RANDs to 1.5 billion RANDs. And this is good news for us borrowing from the bank in uh, RAND uh, currency. So borrowing in local currency, it will make the cost of borrowing much cheaper. And this is good news for us in support of uh, infrastructure and sustainable development projects uh, in South Africa. Of course, the other important decision taken by our leaders pertain to local currency. As you know, this received a great deal of attention uh, prior to the summit. Uh, there was a lot of talk about de-dollarization, and, and we made it very clear that we are not talking about de-dollarization. What we are talking about is looking at how BRICS countries deepen interaction between ourselves in local currencies and explore other financial instruments and payment systems uh, outside the traditional Western-dominated systems. So you'd have seen that in the Johannesburg II Declaration, the leaders have tasked the finance ministers to look into the issue of uh, alternate financial systems and currency and payment models and to report to the summit in Russia next year. So I think this is a very important development. It's again BRICS countries uh, looking at alternatives, exercising greater financial uh, independence and choices rather than being dependent on one or two uh, financial models, payment systems and currencies. So I think this is a major development. It's of course already underway. Uh, trading in local currency has expanded beyond BRICS. BRICS has been the catalyst. We were the first to bring this issue onto the global platform. But today, uh, countries outside of the BRICS family are starting to trade in local currency, including in the African continent, uh, where the AU has taken a decision in order to assist and deepen uh, trade between African countries through the AFCTA that we should look at our own uh, dealing in our own currencies and the Exim Bank has already put in place the Pan-African Payment and Settlement System, uh, close to 10 uh, central banks and over 20 commercial banks have already subscribed to this uh, uh, payment system and this is envisaged to save Africa at least $5 billion annually in trade. And I think this is significant, and it also demonstrates that Africa and the global south are looking for alternatives in order to become more independent uh, and also to be pioneers in bringing about reform in the global governance architecture, including the financial sector. Planation in terms of the six member countries that have been added into the, the BRICS countries. A lot of people are saying, now, will BRICS change names? Clarify on that, but also what some of the deliberation that happens, uh, because we know about a number of countries who are interested, but then the heads of states went with the six. Any rationale, some of the issues as far as criteria for, the, for, for those? Take us through the deliberation and how this was arrived at. Well, one of the most important outcomes of the summit here in South Africa, the 15th summit, 
is the issue of expansion. Expansion has received a great deal of global attention, uh, at least for the past year. Not only from the countries that have applied to become members, but those that have an interest, but including those from the global north. They have been closely following the issue of expansion these past several months. Now, as you know, the summit last year did take a decision to start discussions around expansion, and they tasked Sherpas to formulate guiding principles, standards, criteria, and procedures for expansion. Now, this was a necessary first step, so that expansion took place within a framework, a structured, agreed framework. Now, South Africa, we have been having several meetings at the level of Sherpa and Sushepa to finalize these issues, and we did so just this past week uh, when we began our Sherpa meeting uh, on the 17th of August to negotiate the Johannesburg II Declaration. We also dedicated uh, time to finalize the issue of expansion. And Sherpas were able to reach consensus and take to the foreign ministers their recommendations. Foreign ministers then, of course, also endorsed. Uh, and uh, there were one or two outstanding issues that they addressed and got consensus on. And this was then taken to the leaders. Now, you will recall that on the first day of summit, on the 22nd of August, there was a leaders' retreat. And this retreat had very intense discussion amongst leaders on the question of expansion, uh, having looked at the criteria document that was developed by Sherpas and also endorsed by the ministers. Uh, it was then agreed that we needed to see how we can, in a structured way, go about expansion on the basis of consensus. So we had 22 countries on the list and we had to look at the criteria document and we also had to look at the preferences of BRICS countries and find uh, common ground. And of course we put, uh, all of us looked at the names on the table and eventually after deliberations the leaders agreed uh, on six countries. Now I think it's important to note that these six countries also addresses one of the issues in the guiding principle document and that is regional representation. So you'll see that we have taken a country from Latin America and the Argentine Republic. We have taken two countries from the African continent in Egypt and Ethiopia and we have taken three countries from West Asia, uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran and UAE. So we have spread uh, the issue of new countries uh, from the major global south uh, parts of the world, Latin America, Africa, and Asia. And I think that's significant in terms of, of bringing in uh, countries from all of these continents. And all of these countries are significant countries from the respective regions. I mean, Argentina, you know, together with Brazil, are the two most important Latin American countries in terms of the size of the economies, the populations, and both are G20 members. So they are countries with gravity. Now, if you look at uh, Africa, uh, Egypt, of course, is one of the largest economies on the African continent. 
a pioneer in terms of championing uh, the formation of the Organization of African uh, Unity, the OAU as it was, what is now the AU, and a leading country on the continent. Ethiopia, of course, is the seat of the African Union. Now, having the country where the African Union is housed is very significant. And also the balance. We now have a country from North Africa, we have Southern Africa, and we have East Africa. And hopefully in the further phase of expansion, we would be able to, to bring in a country from West Africa that, that I think would uh, complete the circle if one can speak of it that way. And in terms of bringing in countries from West Asia, I think it was very important because we have Northeast Asia with China, we have South Asia with India, and I think it was important that we also concentrated on bringing in countries from West Asia. Now, if you look at those three countries, uh, one of them is a G20 member, and I think that's also significant. But in Iran and Saudi Arabia, you have the two major players in Western Asia, and I think it was important we retain the balance in that region. So I think it was uh, critical that you did not admit one as against the other. Both are very weighty countries in terms of regional influence, in terms of the economies, and in terms of, of the dynamics in that part of the world. And the UAE, of course, is one of the most dynamic economies in that part of the world, and it is a gravity for the world. Uh, and, and I think they will also bring in value. So the diversity of BRICS is enriched. And this is one of the strengths of BRICS, its diversity. Very often we are criticized and said, we are asked the question, how do you function when you have so many different uh, countries with different systems of governance and, and different cultures and traditions and so forth. And I said, you know, I always draw on the wisdom of President Mandela when he characterized South Africa as a rainbow nation. What we have today is a rainbow bricks. And in that sense, uh, the richness of and diversity of all of the countries, the 11 countries, uh, represents the, the richness and diversity of the global community because the global community is not a homogeneous community. We are diverse in so many different ways, and that's what makes the global community such an interesting mix, that we learn from each other, we appreciate each other, and we understand each other, and we grow together, nourishing each other through our own cultures, our own cuisines, our own languages, uh, our own systems of governance, and our own ways of thinking and doing things. And this is what colors each other, and, and this is the blend. That's why I say Rainbow Bricks today yeah. is a wonderful uh, way to describe this new family that we have. It's representative of the global community. You have the richness and diversity of Africa, of Latin America, of Asia. And that's, I think, uh, the richness that this new family is all about. What will BRICS look like? Six member countries will also join the Sherpas and be represented in all different tracks of BRICS. Please, Kalfa. We speak of BRICS cooperation centered around three pillars. That is the political and security, the financial and economic, and the social and people-to-people. -people. But the unseen fourth pillar is institutional development. And we have a very strong 
uh, pillar on institutional development. In fact, if you look at the Johannesburg II Declaration, there is a paragraph that mentions strengthening institutional development. Last year's uh, declaration said the same, and throughout, because what we do as Sherpas is constantly ensure the manner of the governance of BRICS is constantly strengthened, reformed, and fit for purpose in terms of our needs. So there is a structure in place on how Sherpas conduct the, the interaction and how BRICS conduct its day-to-day uh, -day functioning. That's already there. The architecture is there. So new members, part of the criteria that is set out for new members is they accept the existing structures in place, they accept existing agreements in place, they accept the existing uh, goals, aims, ambitions and principles that we subscribe to. All of this is in the criteria that new members will subscribe to all of this and embrace all that has happened in the past in BRICS and own that as well and become party to those agreements as well. And also what we are saying, they must also become members of the NDB. We would like all of our new members to become NDB members. In fact, some of the new members are already NDB members, Egypt and UAE are NDB members, and Saudi Arabia and Argentina have already applied to become members of the NDB, and I'm sure the others will also follow suit. So they, they, the, the coherence and functioning of uh, BRICS in the extended family is not going to be uh, impacted negatively. In, as I said, an architecture of, of how we conduct business is already in place, and that will fall into place. What we are planning uh, for our last Sherpa meeting in December when we hand over chairship to Russia as the incoming chair is to look at the possibility of uh, hosting a workshop for the Sherpas of the new countries. Uh, because each of these countries now will be invited formally, uh, with President Ramaphosa writing to the heads of state of these countries, formally inviting them now to become members of the BRICS family, giving them our criteria document, uh, and then they will formally respond saying they are happy to become full members. So that's the formality that must take place uh, over the coming months, so that as of 1st of January 2024, they are full members, just like the existing five members. There'll be no difference in status between the existing five and the new six. We will all have the same equal status. And I think uh, we would want to have a workshop to take the new members, Sherpa, through how BRICS functions, how our business is conducted, and also the key issues that have uh, been been uh, discussed and agreed upon thus far. So we will, as South Africa as a chair, start preparing some documentation uh, to orientate our new family members into the BRICS uh, community. Now also there's the question of the name. Is this going to be changed? There's never been any discussion about changing the name because the term BRICS today is, extends beyond just the five existing members. When you speak of BRICS, it's a global brand today. Everyone, when you speak of BRICS, know what we are talking about, a grouping of countries of the global south the five core countries, but championing 
issues of the global south. So I think at most, if there has to be a, a tweaking of the name, it will perhaps be BRICS plus, but this has not been discussed. But BRICS will be retained. You can rest assured. I mean, if you look at G77, when it was formed, it was G77, then plus China. But G77 has 120 members today. So, it, but it's still called G77 because everyone identifies with what G77 signifies and stands for. And the name itself articulates certain principles and values and vision. Uh, so that's what BRICS is about. It articulates a vision, values and transformation of the global society. So that is a brand that we are all very proud of, that we have collectively built and one that is known globally today. Ambassador mm. Suklal, let's congratulate you with the work well, well done as uh, the uh, Shepherd for South Africa for this year as we South Africa Chess. Really, thank you so much for your, for, for, for your work that you are doing and for your time to allow us to speak to you. No, thank you. Thank you. My deep appreciation to Ubuntu and all of our colleagues at Public Diplomacy for the excellent work that you have done in placing our chairship not just on the national platform, not just on the regional platform, but on the global platform. And I think uh, it would be uh, wrong just to, to, to uh, isolate me uh, in terms of the success of, of the BRIC summit. I think we were very fortunate from day one, our president had a vision in terms of what he wanted for the summit. When he said invite all of Africa to the outreach, I said, boy, this is going to be a difficult, difficult summit. But you saw just how successful it was, and that's the vision he had uh, in terms of, of what BRICS must be about. And I think all of the global leaders that were here, including the BRICS leaders, appreciated the leadership our president provided, and also our minister, uh, Dr. Pando. See, which, uh, Minister Pando was exceptional in terms of the guidance and leadership that she gave to us as the BRICS team. We could only uh, achieve what we have achieved was through her wisdom and guidance. So we need to also express our gratitude to her as chair of the interministerial committee and of course our entire cabinet, the interministerial committee and all of our colleagues in Dirko and government as a whole, our ITSOT uh, that met since November last year on a regular basis. We started our preparations for the hosting of our chairship in October of 2021. Mm. So it was a long journey, but we have not, we have reached the peak. <laughs> That's, we have gone to summit, and I must thank our fellow Sherpas from the other countries. The cooperation we had from all of our BRICS partners was exceptional. And it was, again, it shows and demonstrates the solidarity of this cooperation which is always questioned by countries outside of the BRICS from the global north. And this has clearly demonstrated just that South Africa can provide leadership, the African continent can provide leadership, and the global south is united, and we have a vision of transforming the world for the better. So I think this is a wonderful celebration of what we can do together as the global south family under South Africa's chairship this year, and we must appreciate the, our leadership's role in this regard, especially our president. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me.